Counterintelligence is produced by Forensic News. Support independent journalism at patreon.com backslash forensic news. Special thanks to Michael Murphy, Phil Halting, Kevin Sherwood, Mark Alfano, Jason Zimmerman, William Healy, Zacharias Kaminsky, Angela Jackson, Andre Nelka, and Craig Pierce. Today's guest is Mike Rothschild, an expert on QAnon. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I was going to ask you something just up front. I mean, how do you ever get tired of just talking about this topic or is it like, I mean, Mike, what's it like to be constantly interviewed about QAnon? <laughs> um, I, I do get tired of talking about it, but at the same time, um, I, I'm interested to see where it goes and sort of, you know, where it is now and where it's going to end up in six months and a year. So I, I get tired of, of, uh, people asking me what QAnon is over and over again, because I think by now I feel like we should probably at least have some idea, but it, it's one of those things that at some point I will not want to talk about QAnon anymore, but I think by then, whatever we think of as QAnon will be a totally different thing. So yeah, it's kind of a long winded answer to say yes and no. Yeah. I was just thinking about that before. Like, I wonder, like on the one hand, it's great to, that you've been able to write about this and you've got a book coming out, which we're going to, we're going to talk about, but I was just yeah. thinking like, man, I know I get drained with my QAnon experiences, some in the field and uh, as a writer. So I was like, man, he must really. Uh, <laughs> so the new book, uh, which is coming out in, what is it? October, Mike? October. Yeah. October. Yeah. So it's called QAnon. The storm is upon us. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just, yeah, man, tell us about the book. Sure. So I, I started following QAnon in kind of late 2017, early 2018, when it had just started to take off. And I thought, oh, this this is fun. Like, this will be a nice distraction. But I realized uh, fairly quickly that it had some links and some similarities to some really long-running scams that have really built a lot of people out of a lot of money. So I I got really troubled by it then. And I started, and I started to think about kind of the longer-term picture of it. And at some point in 2019, I started pitching a book proposal and nobody was interested. Like nobody wanted to touch it. And then when the pandemic hit and suddenly QAnon was everywhere and QAnon adjacent conspiracy theories were everywhere, I went to my agent. I said, I think we need to start pitching this again. Um, you know, th this is really becoming a going concern. And we took it out again and um, and it went really well this time. People really responded to it. But I wanted to, to tell the story of QAnon in a way that would make sense to people who don't really know anything about it, who have maybe heard of it, maybe know a little bit about it, but are not going to be interested in all of the technical details, are not going to be interested in going through all you know, the 80 different possibilities for who made the first Q post, just sort of generally what it is, how it took off, why it hooks people and what we can do about it. And I felt like that was best accomplished for me in a book form. And I know there are a lot of other people writing about it and, and you know, taking their approaches that are different from mine. And I, for me, I wanted to just simplify it, you know, talk about what it is, where it comes from and why people believe it. Yeah. And ultimately I feel, and you can comment on this, but I think that people, the reason they need to know about it is because it's dangerous. I mean, it's, it's a it's a public safety issue. I, do you, would you agree with that or? I would absolutely agree. It is it is very dangerous. It is um, it is very troubling to see people fall down this rabbit hole of a conspiracy theory that at heart is extremely violent. Yeah. You know, you you have this this prophesized 
storm that would be this mass arrest of you know hundreds of thousands of people who would all be sort of disposed of in an extrajudicial fashion. And of course, that's not happening. And what we saw with the Capitol insurrection was a bunch of people who decided that because it wasn't happening, they were going to make it happen. Yeah. And obviously what, what happened on that day was a little bit different, but it's the same kind of thing. It's the political situation is not turning out the way we wanted to. So we are going to take matters into our own hands and make it into what we need. And, and that's, that's very troubling that so many people would, would believe in that and come to it through a bunch of other conspiracy theories. Uh, some of which lean very far left. You know, you've got a lot of Bernie Sanders voters who are who fallen into QAnon, a lot of like wellness devotees and a lot of sort of holistic health people. I mean, stuff you think of as very hippy-dippy and liberal are suddenly like baying for the blood of Democrats. And it's it's very disturbing. Well, I've, I've heard the wellness thing, but I haven't heard the, the Bernie Sanders thing. That Really? <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of Bernie Sanders to QAnon people. There are some Obama to QAnon people. And you would think that doesn't make any sense. Like, how could you go from like Bernie Sanders, you know, the epitome of the far left to Donald Trump, the epitome of the far right. And from from what I've noticed, it's not so much a political thing as it is just uh, a loathing of Hillary Clinton. And it, it, if you simplify it, and that, that's always what I'm trying to do with QAnon. I think there's a there's a, a, a need to kind of overcomplicate it. And I try really, really hard to simplify it and boil it down just to the essentials. And to me, the biggest essential when it comes to what brings people to QAnon and why it took off on 4chan is it was just about Hillary Clinton. And it was about Hillary Clinton being punished for her crimes and, and being sort of publicly humiliated and having uh, revenge foisted upon her. And I think that's the thing that really appeals up to QAnon to people on the far left and the far right. You're a smart guy. And I know you're like an expert in just in general and conspiracy theories. I mean, what do you, what do you do to like, I'm always interested in like, I'm always interested in like a uh, person to person, like what, when I, what my guests do to like, like, how do you decompress for this stuff? Do you take walks, hang out with the family? Like what? Yeah. I take walks, <laughs> uh, hang out with the family, um, you know, try to just sort of lose myself in Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Um, unplug you know just try to try to spend as much time not in the worst parts of the internet <laughs> as possible um but i also I, I try to keep a little bit of a sense of humor i try to see the absurdity in all of this because it is absurd it, it right. is it is really ridiculous and i think if you keep at least a few toes in the idea that this is crazy and that you're not the crazy one here i think you'll do a lot better than if you let it consume you and turn it into a crusade. You know, for me, it's, it's work. It's a job. It's, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not a quest. I'm not trying to personally free the minds of every conspiracy addled person in America. I'm just trying to write about this stuff and report on it for people who don't understand it. So I don't, I don't look at myself as like a, a soldier in the trenches. I'm just, I'm doing a job and that helps me keep some remove from all of the madness. Right. Ultimately, if someone's going to come out of this stuff, I mean, I certainly am no expert on that and you can comment on that, but it seems like it's going to have to start with them. It's an internal process. It's not going to be because something you said to them or I said to them, I don't think. Yeah, th that's one of the things that I'm learning about de-radicalization is that it is a process that will not go anywhere unless the person involved wants it to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can't pull somebody out of a coercive movement or a cult-like movement or a conspiracy theory unless they want to be pulled out of it, unless they see something in it that doesn't make any sense or that contradicts itself or they see a mistake. Um, I, I use the analogy of like a, a tapestry mm-hmm. with one thread that's dangling. And if you see that thread dangling and something inside you tells you to pull on it, then the whole tapestry comes apart. But you have to see the thread and you have to want to pull on it. And for most people who believe in conspiracy theories, they, they just don't. They get too much out of it. They get community out of it. They get uh, comfort out of it. They get understanding. They, they, they understand the world through the lens of the conspiracy theory. And they don't want to leave it. They think we're the crazy ones. So, th- so that's a really important point is that you, just, you can't just like tie somebody to a chair and make them not believe in a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I was at the uh, some of those the Save the Children marches. I don't know if you were too. The, the big ones in like Hollywood. Yeah, hey, I didn't end up going because of good. COVID. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's it's interesting you said that. I was down there and I was thinking, like I've got my mask on and I'm also thinking like this is just dangerous. Like why? I was like, why am I here? Like my feet were carrying me there. And I'm like, why am I? I'm in the middle of these people, none of whom believe in COVID. Like. But I was like there. I was propelled there. It was, it was so I was like, yeah. this is a terrible way to get COVID. Yeah. I, and for a lot of these things, I think to myself, like, do I need to be there? Do I <laughs> right. need to expose myself to certainly the danger of COVID, but yeah. also just the 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 danger and the violence and the negativity? Yeah. I mean, especially as, you know, a, a conspiracy skeptic with the last name Rothschild, you know, I don't <laughs> I, I don't uh I don't think I personally need to be there. I mean, I'm glad other people were there yeah. filming and then putting themselves at risk, but it was just, you know, and I've got young kids and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can't, like, I can't put myself in that kind of danger. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so much of it is so as dangerous as it is. It's, it's just so unintentionally funny. I still remember that I'm walking around half thinking like, this is it. I'm going to get COVID here. And then the other half was <laughs> like, I'm laughing. Like, yeah. I'm like, what did I just, like, what did you just say to me? Yeah, like who? Like who are these people? Like what do they? Like what do they want? Like they're the the Hollywood one. Like they're marching around and chanting "defund Hollywood." Mm-hmm. I mean, which I don't even know what that means. But they're also, you know, they're they're chanting outside the CNN building in Hollywood, and there's nobody in it. Yeah, like there's, they think it's it's been on the like the the company's been on lockdown for months. Everyone's working from home. Who do you think is going to hear you? You're right. It was. <laughs> I told some people like what was funny about that March and then we'll, we'll move on, but it really was funny. Like it started in front of the, yeah, it started in front of the Netflix building. Yes. And then what happened was, cause I was there for the whole thing. They started like, I guess they started moving and basically they just started hitting all these spots in Hollywood, like different production companies. And it became so funny. It ended at CNN. And I was like, well, you guys hit, you know, half of the major networks. And then, of course, then at CNN, right? Always the fall guy. Right. And that was so funny. And then there were a bunch of other, like, there was, I saw like Boogaloo Boys out there. There was a, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a, definitely, uh, and I write about this in the book because I, I wasn't there, but I, I watched a yeah. lot of the footage from, from the marches. And it was like these signs that are just like these incoherent slogans. And people aren't even like marching, like they're just sort of ambling. Yeah. It was just, uh, there was like, I said something like it looked like some Save the Children people and some anti-government people and some anti-vaccine people and a couple people who just sort of wandered by and thought it would be fun to protest something. I mean, yeah. it, it just, there was no cohesion to any of it. And it wasn't, it, there was no focused goal to it. It was just about 
doing something. It was about awareness. <laughs> I will never not, I swear I will never. And that's what, like you said, keeps you going. I will never not laugh at this stuff ever. Like, yeah, you have to, you have to laugh <laughs> at it. You know, you don't, I don't, I try not to laugh at the people sure. and especially like the rank and file people who just have their brains completely turned into mush by this. But the, the idea of like some of this QAnon stuff is it's so bizarre that you just, you can't take it seriously. Like this idea of like the, the dog code and the corn code and like the <laughs> Trump, you know, Twitter typo codes and like him holding up his fingers in certain ways and making air cues. I mean, it's just, it's so unbelievably stupid, but it's also really compelling and you get why people get into it. And you're right. And yeah, of course, like, just to be clear. Uh, yeah. Right. I absolutely like never make fun of anyone. Well, at least to their face. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not what, what's funny is more the, I guess the, what it is itself. Uh, now in this book that is coming out, was there something we don't have to go into what is QAnon because that's that's boring? But was there something that surprised you, you that you didn't know about? You know, before you, you know, started. It's it's. Let me think about that because that's that's a good question. I feel like I've been covering the movement long enough so that there's not a lot of surprises to me. What what really stands out for me are like are just the little details, um, the things you just learn because a lot of people are really going through those early 4chan posts and, and really trying to puzzle out exactly what the timeline of those posts was. One thing that I found really amusing was that the first 4chan user who used the term QAnon, uh, you know, because there were all these other Anons, there was FBI Anon and high level insider Anon mm -hmm. and Q called themselves Q clearance Patriot for a while and then just started calling themselves Q. So the first user who used the term QAnon on 4chan was Canadian. Like they had a little, the little Canada flag in their, in their uh, profile or whatever. I just thought that was really funny. I, I like this, this America centric movement about like Trump being a God and like, Oh, here's a Canadian who coins the term. And of course now um, the QAnon people don't even use the term anymore. They, they've, uh, one of the last drops that Q made was uh, this thought terminating cliche of saying, uh, there is Q, there are Anons, there is no QAnon. Because of course the media has seized on this idea of QAnon, this conspiracy theory. But, you know, I just, I wrote this Daily Dot piece about it that came out uh, end of last week or end of some week in March. I have no idea what, what day or time anything is anymore, but <laughs> about how all of these Q promoters use the term constantly. Like the big book the the big invitation to the great awakening book is called QAnon, an invitation to the great awakening it was the number two book on all of amazon in march 2019 so that's hilarious to me that they have they have just obliterated this part of their history i would say some of the other surprises were just the depth of the stories that i heard from people i talked to one guy um who lost his friend of 30 years not just to QAnon, but to these really complicated conspiracy theories about uh, financial manipulation and like targeted individual stuff to the point where he, they, um, he had to go to court to get first, I think, to get a restraining order against his friend and then involve the police because this guy was stalking him, was stalking his family, had sent death threats to his own mother. And this is a story that's never been reported on. Mm. Uh, no, no one's told this story before. I'm really anxious for people to see it in the book, 
but it was just like the depth of how this rewires you and how it turns the people you love the most into your worst enemies is is unbelievably fascinating and surprising and also just terrible i know we covered this a little bit already but i mean how do you how do we bring someone out of this or like you said is it do they have to start themselves i mean what the heck do we do uh they have to start themselves you yeah. cannot get somebody out of something like QAnon if they don't want to because all they're going to see it as is confirmation that they are right and that you are wrong and their enemy so they have to see something wrong they have to see a mistake or a contradiction or feel like maybe Q has been lying to them or maybe they, they're being manipulated. And then when they express those doubts to you, you have to be able to step in and really thoroughly debunk what's going on. And you have to go through it step by step with them. So if you have somebody in your life who is a QAnon believer, you have to maintain communication with them, which is really hard to do because most of the communication you have with conspiracy believers is really unpleasant and sort of awful. <laughs> but you you have to keep those lines of communication open. It can be done very simply. It can be just a, a text message or a, an email, you know, maybe, probably not a phone call, but some sort of easy communications, just, hey, how are you doing? Uh, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about this shared memory that we had together that time we went to whatever, something that has nothing to do with the conspiracy, is totally apolitical, can't cause a fight. And if you do that enough, you stick in the mind of that person as someone they can trust. And then if things start to go wrong in the conspiracy, they can find you as a, as a safe harbor and say, hey, I'm, I'm having some doubts about this. I had something you said I didn't, didn't track well with me. And then if you really understand QAnon, you can start that debate with them and start to help them out of it. But you cannot force somebody, you can't pull somebody out of it without, you know, without them having some inkling of it. Sounds like no different than, than any, any cult. Uh, yeah. Or addiction. Addiction. I was thinking that before, actually. I mean, that's, I, I literally was thinking that in the beginning of the show, like it's got to start with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody else can make you do it. You have to, you have to want to help yourself. Uh, yeah. God, I guess what makes this so different is just the, the violent aspect. I mean, that, that I feel it definitely needs to be highlighted. I know it's highlighted by you, but like, that's one of the things that makes this different from, from other things. A, a QAnon follower killed the head of the Gambino crime family. Yeah. Like that's, that's some next level type crazy. Yeah. And I guess that's another thing that surprised me in, in writing the book is because I talk a lot about those big QAnon crimes. Um, I talk about the Gambino murder and I talk about the, uh, some of the child kidnappings and also this dude, um, Alpolis Sliman, Sleeman, whatever it is, hmm. who uh, thought that Trump was talking to him through his classic rock radio station and was like begging Q for help as he took his five children on a hundred mile an hour death ride through northern oh, Massachusetts. But what's what's interesting to me and what surprised me is that every single one of these crimes came about because the person who committed it thought there was genuine danger. They thought they were in danger. They thought the United States was in danger. They thought that their children were in danger. Children in general were in danger. This is not like a voice in your head telling you to go out and kill. 
this is a voice in your head telling you that you are about to be killed. Mm. And it, it, that's a very fine distinction because it, it, it makes these crimes into something much more human. It's, it's not like you can just be randomly killed by somebody. It's that something was going on that made that person think that whoever their target was, was targeting them. And I think there's a lot of that going on right now. There are a lot of people who think that they are targets of, of, a, of a vast conspiracy, of the government, of, of big business or whatever. And I think we've seen many examples of how this, this idea of your, you being targeted can turn into outwardly directed violence. Sounds like there's a pretty strong crossover with mental illness there. I mean, you, you know, when you think someone's talking to you through your radio, that's I mean, have you found that to be true that QAnon, all these people have some kind of mental illness or? I haven't found it with everyone. And of course I haven't examined any of these people and true. nor would I be qualified to. Uh, <laughs> please don't, don't have me uh, examine your mental health. Um, <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. But, but you, in a couple of these cases, the uh, perpetrators have been found incompetent to stand trial. I actually think the, uh, the Gambino shooter was uh, Anthony Camello. I think he was found incompetent to stand trial. And then so was the guy, uh, Bucky Wolf, the guy in Seattle, who's also a member of the Proud Boys, who uh, murdered his brother with a sword through the head because he thought his brother was a lizard. And oh. I, I believe he was also remanded to a uh, mental health prison. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, you can't talk about somebody who thinks their brother's a lizard or who thinks that, you know, Elton John is sending them messages through I'm Still Standing to go out and kill somebody without talking about mental illness. But I also, you know, I don't want to stigmatize, of course, the, the, you know, the, the vast population of people who deal with a mental illness because the vast majority of those people have a handle on it and are not running people through the head with a sword. So it, it's, it's best to be taken on a case by case basis. But yeah, I do think there is definitely a, a mental illness element with a lot of these crimes. It seems also that there's some sort of, I don't know if this is like a distinctly American thing, but there's some sort of ego, this belief that like, let's say I'm being targeted or I'm all these things. Like when, when those of us who are a little more skeptic minded know that we're really an insignificant drop in the bucket in the universe, like that there's something funny about that in a way. I don't know if, well, let me ask you this. Is, is that something American or QAnon's now in all these different countries? I, I mean, I'm not sure what my point is here exactly, but it just seems like the belief that I'm being targeted by the government is, I don't know, that just feels very egotistical. Like, yeah, there is a, a sense in QAnon believers of feeling like you want to have powerful enemies and mm. feeling like you are important enough that the deep state will turn its eyes on you to personally destroy you. And I don't, I don't think that's a mental illness thing. I think that is very much an ego thing of, you know, my life, which seems like it's meaningless, is actually a threat to the most powerful people on the planet. I think everybody wants to think that they're that important. Uh, I think QAnon believers just really excel at it. <laughs> what a thing to excel at. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why they would want that. Like, as somebody who's gotten, like, his share of threats, like, I don't, like, what would... Like, it's not something you like you should strive for. I mean, I guess it comes with the territory. Yeah, it, it, it does. I think it's, uh, 
it's wanting to feel like you have some sort of greater purpose. And I think that's a lot of that digital soldier stuff that Mike Flynn is so good at selling. <laughs> you know, this idea that you are, you matter, that you are fighting, you know, shoulder to shoulder with other patriots to, to end the 6,000 year death cult that's kept its grip on the world. That's very intoxicating to, to feel like, you know, your your life matters more than just your job and your paycheck, that, that there's a greater purpose to your life. And we're all seeking that. And some people seek it through spirituality and some people seek it through um, sports and some people seek it through conspiracy theories. And as you said yourself, and I don't know if it was, it might've been a Mehdi Hassan or one of the interviews you did, the ultimate goal which is, I think if one people, if like people don't know that much about QAnon, my feeling is the one thing you should take away if you need to remember something is the storm. That's like the one thing that you want to just tell people what that is just for the sake of the sure. show. Sure. So the idea of the storm came about uh, actually before QAnon started. It was um, the storm in terms of the, the QAnon version of it was based on this very bizarre comment by President Trump in early October of 2017, where he had this group of uniformed military officers and their spouses and it was this big dinner and uh trump said something to the effect of um this could be the calm before the storm and of course the press had no idea what he was talking about and and you know they say what storm mr president and he kept saying this could be it this could be the calm before the storm and then somebody else asked him he said you'll find out what it is and of course no one had any idea what he was talking about um None of the press did, none of his people did, like nobody wanted to talk about it. I think Mike Pence got asked about it the next day and he was like, I, I have no idea what he was talking about. I'm just here to do blah, blah, blah. Sounds you know, about right. Nobody wanted to touch it, but it took off on 4chan where it got embraced by this, uh, this anon live action role-playing crowd as this great event that was about to happen. And, and sudden, in those few couple of weeks between Trump's comment and the first few drops, it got turned into this idea of Hillary Clinton being arrested. And this one Anon who, who called themselves Q seized on this idea of mass arrests and ran with it and turned it into a really compelling story. So that's, that's what the storm is. It's supposed to be, nobody knew what it was in the beginning, but Q believers and 4chan people turned it into this vast unsealing of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of indictments of Democrats, of the deep state, of pedophiles, of anti-American saboteurs, of anti-Trump, you know, wreckers in the government. And all these people were going to be arrested. It was going to be this huge operation with the National Guard and you know, the president sequestered in a bunker. And, and like hmm. all of these things were going to happen and all the pieces needed to be in place. And, and uh, Q built it up to happen in early November. So about a week after the first drops. And then it was like mid-November and then absolutely nothing happened. And then Q just, just decided that it wasn't about Hillary Clinton being arrested. It was about Saudi Arabia instead. And the, the Q faithful, who by then were starting to really pile up, just ran with it. They, they didn't say, uh, no, it wasn't. You never mentioned Saudi Arabia. That's not at all what you were talking about. They just said, oh, it was about Saudi Arabia. Okay, we want this to be true. So we'll go with this. So that's that's what the storm was. The the prophesized mass arrests and and that prophecy uh, officially failed on January 20th. 
isn't it also the mass murder or am I, am I wrong about that? Like, well, there's also like executions, like the, oh, okay. there would be, uh, they, they kept talking <laughs> about how, sure. You know, okay. They, they kept talking no, no, about just, how, it was just funny. Yeah. I think, you know, they kept talking about Guantanamo Bay being expanded yeah. and like executive orders, making military field tribunals for civilians legal and, You'd have, you know, Q believers passionately debating on Twitter and on places like Vote. Should should the deep state be arrested by hanging, or should or ex- executed uh, by hanging, or should they be executed by firing squad, or should they be executed through lethal injection? And it was like very passionately arguing about how mm. you want George Soros to be killed. Mm. So yes, there's definitely a violent edge to it. There, it's mm. very sort of execution happy. Um, it's a very troubling ideology. That's interesting. No, so it's it's mass arrest, and uh, I guess depending on who you talk to, mass execution. Yeah, uh, it, it seems to evolve. I guess. Yeah. Without actually coming into uh, fruition. Right. right, as all these things do, they they evolve and they find new ways to kick the can down the road, um, and then sometimes they find an entirely new can to kick. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I said in the middle of the show, I will never not laugh about this ever. Yeah. Like, ever. <laughs> Yeah. As dangerous as these people are, like it's 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 so damn funny. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be laughing. Uh, like I guarantee, in two hours from now, when I'm at the mall, which is what I'm gonna do later, I'm gonna be walking <laughs> around, and I'm gonna be yeah, I will. I'm just gonna think about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Keeps me going. Yeah, I, you have to. I mean, it's the only way to deal with it. Um, like any. Uh, I'll say any final words or anything you want to tell us you're working on, or, I mean, we, we talked about the book, but anything else, you know, the. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Rothschild MD. That's R O T H S C H I L D M D. Uh, the book, the storm is upon us will be out in October. You can pre-order it now on Amazon, um, anywhere that you can order books. You can order this book. You can get a Kindle version. Hopefully you'll have some news on an audiobook soon. Um, yeah, and I would say that if, if, if you're interested in QAnon, there's a lot of wrong paths to go down. You know, you can get really sucked into some of these places like Akun and, and some of these other really, really conspiracy-heavy, racism-heavy message boards. Like, you don't need to go to those places to understand QAnon, and, and you don't need to concoct elaborate conspiracies about it to understand it. Just understand that it... it fills a, a, a hole in the lives of the people who believe it and and they believe it because it's meaningful to them and it gives them purpose so that that's that's what i would i would say as sort of a, a final word you know these are people who are searching for something and they think they found it in QAnon, and unfortunately what they found is just disappointment yeah maybe the lesson there is don't pray to false gods maybe it's better just to not know something or to live in a slight state of chaos. I mean, I believe that like rather than, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and to accept that there are certain things that we're never going to know. And this happens a lot with mass shootings uh, where we just, you know, the perpetrator kills themselves and we will never completely know what motivated them. And so of course, conspiracy theories rush in to fill that hole. But sometimes you just have to say, I don't know. We'll never know. We're just we're just going to have to understand it the best we can, and not have to make up a fiction behind it. That's one of the things I've accepted in like reporting. Sometimes when I'm unraveling like an actual conspiracy, 
there's always that feeling you're like, oh, like well, I remember one time I was talking to uh, Scott Stedman at forensic news and I was mm. like, we were working on something and we got as far as we could. And Scott was like, you know, I don't think we're ever going to totally find out what happened here. And I was, I was mad at the time. And then I was like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. And I think we have to, we all have to be okay with that sometimes. Mike, it's been great having your show. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and don't think too much about uh, QAnon in <laughs> uh, a <laughs> you know, beautiful, uh, you know, where we all are out here on the West coast. And uh, anyway, I hope, hope you can come back soon, man.